Hello and welcome to the Every Woman podcast. I'm Anna, editor of Every Woman, and every month we'll be bringing you the stories, insights and opinions of inspiring people in business on a wide range of topics, asking the questions you want the answers to and doubtless prompting some more in the process. We're here today at the Somnex Sleep Show talking to world-renowned sleep expert and thought leader in the field of sleep health, Dr. Roy Raymond. He is the Chief Scientific Officer of Sleep Science at Sleep Score Labs, and we'll be discussing sleep, how and why businesses are waking up to the importance of sleep and well-being, health and performance. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, let's just start with talking about sleep in general. I mean, you are obviously uh, known for your work in sleep. Why, why sleep? What is it that, that is important and excites you about the field of sleep? And why did you get into it? That's, a, that, that, that's actually a very simple question for me. So, And it might not be the, the answer that you're expecting, but um, I've... My first steps in my academic career, so we were actually in a project related to burnout. So, and I had to uh, analyze a data set and to find out whether there were any kind of biological factors into burnout and why some people develop burnout and why some people don't. So, and I was going through that data set and I found a big hole in the data set, which was sleep. So they didn't measure sleep. And for me, it was like, interesting. So why didn't they actually measure sleep? And I found out at that time, like, oh, yeah, measuring sleep is so very hard. So that's why we didn't ever include it. So and I'm a biological psychologist and a neuroscientist by training. So we rely a little bit more on true measurements rather than questionnaires. So, so then I found out, like, this is an interesting topic because it's so important it's key to recovery we do it for eight hours or seven hours every single night so it, it's it's really really a big function for your body and we don't know anything about it so mm. that was for me the challenge like this is a kind of territory that still has a lot of exciting things to be really discovered well i mean as you say we'll do it and it's for some, pretty easy. For some, maybe not so easy. But you know, what 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 is so difficult to measure about sleep? Then why were they? Why was it such a, a black hole? And has that changed? The, the the gold measurement of sleep has. So you have gold standards. Like for every measurement, you have a gold standard. Has. So for temperature, has. So they most likely have want to have a real core temperature. So they don't rely, for instance, for temperature on your mouth. Has. So they want to have the ear temperature or whatever. So for sleep, that's really measuring your brain. So measuring your brain is not that easy because you need to have all kinds of electrodes glued to your head. So, and that's why it's kind of difficult. So if I want to measure somebody in the gold standard way, it takes me about 45 minutes to actually attach all the sensors uh, so that they stick very well, that it's still comfortable for the user. So that's a long time. And most of the time when I say to a volunteer, hey, we're going to measure your sleep, they say, oh, I'm not volunteering anymore because it's impacting your life. Uh, because, sorry, sleep is something very personal, very intimate, so it's not that easy really to measure sleep in the, in the real world. So, um, and that's what you mostly do is you want to test it in the real world. Um, 
It has become a little bit easier because with the new technology and mostly the consumer technology, they kind of said we don't need to keep the, stand, the gold standard, we just try to do it a different way. And they kind of paved the way to what we consider less obtrusive ways of measuring sleep. Um, so it could be in a wristband, it could be with a ring, so it could be even with a sensor. Uh, so on your mattress, below your mattress or next to your bed. Um, so, so now we actually have great access to data that really comes from your own bedroom so you don't need to spend time as so in mounting all those sensors and the great thing is mounting sensors you can you cannot find people that want to do it two or three nights in a row mm. so with this kind of technology yes you can do it uh, for 28 48 whatever nights in a row and getting a real kind of in-depth picture of your sleep the caveat is um, Science is a little bit conservative, so they are at this moment still not believing that those consumer electronics are truly reflecting sleep. Um, but I think we're kind of now of an era that we kind of going to see that um, even clinical doctors and clinical researchers are starting to use these consumer devices just because the richness of the data. Mm. This was work that you were doing um, recently for Apple. Were you on, on wearables around sleep? So, of course, it's very hard to speak about Apple because Apple is very secretive. So, um, <laughs> and um, I know that at one time, of course, they acquired a company like Bedit, so that is also uh, doing a sensor for sleep. Actually, at Apple, I mainly focus on behavioral change for sleep. So, mainly uh, seeing if there were simple uh, things that I could put on the phone uh, so that would help Follow up, uh, help people with sleep. Uh, for instance, the bedtime alarm, which kind of not only indicates when you wake up, but only kind of indicates like, hey, now it's time to actually to go to bed. Or night shift, which is actually dimming the screen and making the screen less blue at nighttime. So that was merely my focus over there. Let's, uh, we'll talk about the highs and uh, the hows and whys a bit more, but I just want to just talk uh, in very broad terms. Obviously, we all know that a good night's sleep makes us feel better, that lack of sleep affects our performance, but Beyond those very broad brushstrokes, what's the importance of sleep to the human experience? To the human experience? Yeah. Wow. Because it's very, not just about health, a, really, is it? It's no, about everything. But it, that's, a, that's a very challenging question because actually you're now asking, as so what is the experience of a period that you are unconscious? Mm. And so the best sleep, if you go to the street and ask people what is the best sleep, and it has been excellent research by Dr. Leon Leck, so they needed to make a drawing. So, and actually what people were drawing is like, I'm awake, then I straight go down into deep sleep, then I stay into sleep, and then I wake up refreshed. So that is what people have in mind of experiencing a good night of sleep. Mm. So they want, don't want to recall that it took a little bit effort to wake up, uh, sorry, to fall asleep. And they also don't want to recall uh, that they, the, the wake up was a pain and that they had to toss and turn and put a snooze button five, 15 times. So they just want to wake up and be on the top of the game. But the experience is a little bit odd because, sorry, if the night is really good, you don't recall it and it feels like a minute. Mm, mm. And I presume then, we're coming back to the wearables, that it allows us to make that experience more visible. You know, it, it, you might think that it was just a minute, but actually you've got a, a, a certain amount of data that tells you otherwise and, and up and down. In terms of good sleep, everyone wants to know what good sleep is. And I would imagine it's a very variable thing, perhaps. Is it a very individual thing, a bit like a fingerprint? Or can we say that this is, this is a good sleep, this amount of time, this level of, you know, going in and out of REM or whatever? What is good sleep? 
Um, that's, a, that's a very interesting question and of course it's very individual. Huh? So what we have been trained of course at, at the sleep school and we not only did sleep over there. So, um, so what we really were trained is that hey a good night looks like you start with a lot of deep sleep so, huh? so then uh, so you actually you start from being awake going into light sleep into deep sleep you have a lot of deep sleep and you go into REM sleep so that's considered one cycle and that cycle takes about 90 minutes and you have that five times in the night so the night takes about seven and a half hours and if the night is really great you have very few awakenings and uh, so what you actually see in those data is that there is a lot of deep sleep in the beginning very few REM sleep but in the end actually so the tiredness is, is wearing off so you don't have the deep sleep that much because the deep sleep is kind of making has uh, so your 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 fatigue dissipate and you have more REM sleep so that's a very technical description of what we would say as uh, so is, is a good sleep from a from a more medical perspective um, I think what is really critical to a good sleep is actually has so it's it's consistency. So be consistent with your bedtime every single day. So mm. uh, so go to bed at the same time and try to wake up at the same time, even in the weekends. So try to get at least seven hours of sleep, and try to avoid awakenings at night so because that sometimes might happen to external sources for instance outside noise or for instance that you need to visit the bathroom but you can of course make sure that that uh, the that the odds that that is happening are really low so go to the bathroom before you go to sleep so if there is really if you're living in a kind of uh, environment with a lot of noise has so start wearing earplugs or make sure has so that you have better isolation mm. so this is sort of basic and within then w would you fine-tune you know you mentioned seven hours um, is that true for everyone or are there people that can genuinely function very well on five hours and people who genuinely need 10 hours what's what's the score with that myth yeah so well, so, myth. so the, the the recommendation is uh, so everybody should sleep between seven and nine hours and you kind of can find out yourself what's best for you and uh, so if you start sleeping seven hours uh, so on a regular basis and you feel tired uh, so then you probably know oh it should be a little bit more mm. uh, so I function best uh, so if I sleep almost up to eight hours every single night uh, so if I have three or four nights like I had had the past few days with probably less than four hours each night yes uh, I'm not on the top of my game mm. um, but there are a few people but a very few people uh, so that only need four hours mm. yeah, so um, that's just genetics lucky yeah, so <laughs> oh you can call it lucky or you can also call it very unlucky yeah, so because I love to sleep I would rather be on the other end of the spectrum and say like hey I'm the one that needs 11 hours but yeah, so there are people that really can do with four hours it's really actually hard to find out so whether you are in the group that's four hours is really sufficient for mm. and a great example is actually has yeah, so it's it's uh, you probably have it over here in the UK is Margaret Thatcher she yes, was very famously. well known for very ultra short nights. And sorry, we never tested her whether she had a genetic makeup to deal with it. So, yeah. um, but we also know what happened in the end with Margaret Thatcher. So she developed Alzheimer. And we kind of also know now there's more evidence and more evidence uh, so that a lack of sleep uh, doesn't uh, remove the waste products from your brain sufficiently so and that has been related to Alzheimer's so um, 
Very carefully, no, I don't say that Margaret Thatcher has got her Alzheimer's because of lack of sleep. We just do not know. Mm. So and that's what we still need to find out. So yes, you have short sleepers genetically, so it's a blessing maybe or not. So, but also we know that if you sleep deprive yourself, and so it has huge consequences not only on the daytime performance, but also maybe later in life with very, very increased risk of certain diseases. So the cumulative effect is still being, yep. still yet to be yep. studied. One of the great tricks of your brain, uh, so is you don't feel anymore uh, so that you're actually sleep deprived. Uh, so you can compare that if you have three pints, and so you think actually that you still can drive your car, or even you think you can drive your car better mm. than without any pint. That's what the brain does as well related to sleep deprivation. So it just is isn't correct anymore in the judgment how sleepy you are. So, I mean, it's a bit like being, you know, by the time you're thirsty, you're dehydrated, isn't it? Yeah. What, what, I mean, what are the signs? I mean, we, we talked about um, being top of your game or not, you know, yeah. I mean, I know you've flown around the world uh, yeah. over the past few days, but, and, and, and with related to business, which I'd like to talk about yeah. next, obviously being top of your game, that performance, uh, sleep isn't a performance enhancer, would you say, or just a performance maintainer? And, and, you know, how do you know, what are the signs that you're not getting enough sleep? The, one of the most, of course, had a very simple one is that you, so you feel a little bit foggy in your head. Mm. So, but I said like, hey, sometimes that's also kind of contracted. So people kind of say to you that you look a little bit pale or unhealthy. And so you have eye bags because that's just a natural buildup of fluid. Uh, your close relatives will probably say that you are a little bit more gro- uh, moody and grumpy. So, so all these kind of tiny things kind of add up together like, hey, you're not on top of your game anymore. So, so in the end of the day, you will be easier fatigued. So you will grab a little bit faster to your Red Bull or your cup of coffee as a countermeasure. So all these kind of things kind of add up. And then one of the, for more from, from an employee perspective is, um, getting things done becomes mm. really complicated because your concentration span really narrows. So something that you normally would finish in 40 minutes now it takes easily two hours because your brain gets distracted. And if you try to do some logical reasoning, uh, so um, then you also find out that your reasoning is not that logical anymore. And then if you are in interaction with other people, so what you normally have is that there is this kind of control. So in what you're saying, you're keeping up in a very uh, polite conversation. Um, if you're sleep deprived, that curtain kind of drops. And so there's this kind of function in your brain. It's, it's a frontal cortex that makes sure that whatever you do is actually kind of impulse controls. You lose that. So you might actually say to your boss, that's a very stupid idea. And so, and you would never have done that before if you were not sleep deprived. So there's a real business imperative for businesses, organizations to invest in sleep initiatives for their, their employees, uh, as well as the consumer market, which is massive. I think in your talk, you just said it, the U.S. is a 60 billion. 60 billion market, yeah. I mean, so, that's yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. Um, How recently have they uh, come on board with this idea that they need to be investing in sleep initiatives for their employees? Yeah, actually, it's, it's, it's really great. I think, uh, especially in America, Adriana Huffington has uh, wrote a great book about sleep, and she said, like, hey, I had a burnout, and that burnout has, so is probably related to sleep, so think about sleep in your workforce. And I think that was a very good movement, and it also has so kind of across the ocean, has uh, over here to Europe, really thinking, like, hey, sleep is actually key. Yeah? So... Um, 
And also because how that consumer technology became available, so it's now also easier for people to track. So I think those two aspects, I like that awareness piece, so of Adriana Huffington with her book on sleep, then together, so with the consumer technology becoming more available, so made people really aware, hey, we can track it, we can actually quantify so your sleep, just like we can quantify obesity. And if you can quantify something, if you can measure something, and so then people also think that it's easier to manage. Mm. And and I think that's what really kind of, of triggered has so also uh, this notion like, yes, we knew that sleep was very important, but we could not measure it, so we cannot measure, manage it. So now we can measure it, so we can actually start with management programs and kind of incentive, uh, incentivize people uh, so um, that, that, that keep track of their sleep and that pay attention to sleep. What do you make of things like sleep pods and the whole culture of catching up all your sleep in tiny little snapshots? Um, there are, I think, two different ways of looking at that. So, um, um, if you want to do a nap throughout the day, so a 20, 20, power, 20 minute power nap, excellent. So, uh, the main thing is, I think, actually, um, I do it sometimes in my office. Sorry, Colin. So, but <laughs> it's really to, if I know I'm tired, so I just close my eyes for 20 minutes. So, and then I just get a little bit more energy that really helps me to get to the rest of the day. So, and there is a really simple trick for that as well. So, if, 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 if listeners want to know, and it's called uh, the, the, the keychain sleep. So, so, you just pick your keychain. So, you're just leaning on your desk and you hold the keychain so next to the side of your desk and make sure that it can drop on the floor. So you try to sleep or to nap. And the great thing is at one stage of sleep, actually your muscles start to paralyze. So your keys will drop on the floor and that sound will make you, wake you up. So that's a kind of very simple hack into get a, a very powerful, very short nap. Mm. So people really, really have to do that because in the end, uh, so it, it will pay off. I was just going to say, you know, should businesses be encouraging their employees? I love this hack. I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, should they be encouraging that kind of, uh, you know, little time out? I think uh, so. Um, um, we are kind of still in the Stone Age, and the prehistory has to relate to sleep. So, um, people have different preferences when they are have their optimal performance. So, you have people that are morning people, you have evening people. Still, we are all fours into the nine till five. Mm. That's kind of stupid as well. So, I think yes, please. Uh, so, allow your employee for, uh, your employee force really to. Pick their own time because they probably know when they're most productive. And also, so I'd rather have them take a 20-minute nap than going for a Red Bull or a double espresso. Or, as you say, getting to on a continuum, getting to a point where you burn out because you haven't allowed yourself yeah. those moments. Yeah. So if your team members are napping, they're being productive yeah. is, is the message of that. Yeah, that's so. um, Let's talk about the consumer market. So there's a lot we can do just in our own ways to help our sleep. We don't have to rely on initiatives or people to grant us the, the ability to sleep. What new products and trends excite you? What, what do you think actually is making a difference? Yeah, so um, I think that um, in, in sleep technology at this moment, you have a lot of initiatives, which is really great. Um, but there are key, two key things that you need to seek in any product that might help you sleep. So um, one is that uh, so it, the product should be comfortable and actually it should be effortless to use. Um, why? Because sleep is happening when you're tired. 
So you don't want to push 27 buttons. Uh, so, and that's just how it is. So, uh, so when you wake up, uh, so your brain is still foggy. So again, uh, so you don't want to go to a manual and see how <laughs> I stop this device. So I think that's key. Um, and in these kind of realms, I think it's uh, um, temperature control yeah, so of your bed is a very potent one actually to, to help your sleep. And the main thing is start with your bedroom. Really look at your bedroom. Um, are my shades the correct one? Is my room dark when I wake up? Is the temperature okay? Because uh, so it needs to be relatively cold. So it needs to be around 18 degrees centigrade. So, uh, so um, if you sleep with a partner, you probably have a different preference in temperature. So it's not a shame to have both your single mattress uh, because hey, if I'm a little bit more heavyweight and my wife is uh, more petite, so then you need actually two different mattresses for the best support, but also mm. for the thermoregulation. Same is for the comforter or duvet, same is for the pillow. So make it personal. So make sure that the humidity is right, the temperature is right, there's no light, and that's kind of first building your sleep sanctuary. So from behavioral change, yeah, because that's the other aspect, so all those technology, if it's effortless, is great because that's so easy. Mm. Behavioral change takes willpower, takes time. So, and it's not easy to comply to. So start with baby steps. Yeah? So there are a lot of programs that offer you great sleep tips. And if they're good, they just try to challenge you with changing simple habits. For instance, uh, try to go to bed at the same time this week or uh, so within half an hour of time. So, and I think if you do it that way, so, uh, so with very minimal baby steps, of course, and then uh, not saying like, hey, you need to improve your sleep by two hours by mm. this week, then it might help as well. I mean, it's hard, the thought of going to bed at the same time in a modern world where, yeah. you know... Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it, would it help to, to even do that four days out of the week? You know, is it or does it have to be sustained? I think yeah, so. You'd you definitely to... you definitely could start with with with, with four days. Mm. Yeah, so, but yeah, so um, the body just loves predictability. Yeah, so the body is totally optimal. Yeah, so if they just know, like, hey, yeah, so hey, you're going to bed at eleven. Hey, you wake up at seven. So that's that. That's what the, <laughs> the, the body really loves. So yeah. if you live the dullest life, your body body really loves you, and you will. Uh, so age till <laughs> over 100 but yeah you might not uh, feel that that life is very enjoyable so, so it's uh, finding so a balance <laughs> it's finding a balance uh, so, and as you said before I traveled around the world got on average I think less than five hours of sleep the last three nights that happens sometimes yes have you got a tip for uh, jet lag for the travelers listening yeah, jet lag is a is a it's a, a jet lag is a very tricky one. So it's mostly related. Uh, so if you fly, uh, so eastwards. Uh, so for instance, from America to London, or from London to I think India. So eastwards, that's where the problem is. So. Um, uh, make sure that uh, so you download uh, so a, a jet lag app. So there are several jet lag app or some internet site that really say to you like, this is when you need to see light and this is when you need to avoid light and this is when you use melatonin and it is when you don't use melatonin. So that's also what I did for this trip. Uh, so I'm on a regime of melatonin right now. I'm a little bit less strict on the, on the on on the light because I hate walking around here with kind of uh, sunglasses. Mm. It doesn't make sense to me. But you, you're bright and perky and... <laughs> Thank you. I don't feel that way. So. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know it. Um, 
I just want to ask one final question before we finish. What for you, with all your experience in the field, is the most interesting aspect or question that's yet to be answered about sleep? The, the, the real, real, real question, and I think that's kind of the holy, oh, there are two holy grails, right? I, I make it easy for me, I, I too. So one is, what is the true functionality of sleep? Eh? Because there are still a lot of hypotheses. Uh, so it's restoration of tissue or it's memory formation or whatever. So uh, it's only recently discovered that actually has so you kind of wash your brain eh, through throughout the night. So all the waste products are actually only wiped out eh, so through the night. So, so I think that's one of the, 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 the real things. Why does it need to be eight hours? Mm. Eh? So, and what is the function and why does it take eight hours? So and I think that's the main thing because if there is a manufacturer that finds a product that can uh, uh, compress the sleep to four hours... They'll be billionaires. They will be billionaires. <laughs> yeah. I think from a sleep physiology perspective, it's not possible at all. But hey, so you need to be open for so what uh, some genius might find in the future. The future of sleep. Dr. Raymond, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for the interview. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us as well on this Every Woman podcast. And we look forward to continuing the conversation with you next time. Don't forget, in the meantime, there's a wealth of information, interest and further talking points on the Every Woman network and app if you want to access on the move. So until we meet again, have a great day and keep on living your best life.